Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Fabrication Friday podcast. I'm your host, Joe Fairley, certified prosthetist, 3D printing enthusiast, and owner of Ascent Fabrication. Fabrication Friday is an all-around fun time where I talk about 3D printing applications, conduct interviews with industry leaders, and much more. Come join us every Friday for an informational discussion around the evolution of the additive manufacturing field and how we utilize various digital workflows and 3D printing methods in our daily work at Ascent Fabrication. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fabrication Friday podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Fairley. It's uh, nice to be back this week after being out uh, at the tail end of last week. Uh, some kind of cold came over me. Don't know what that was, but uh, you know, kind of put me out for a couple of days. So this Fabrication Friday podcast uh, was supposed to come out last week. Uh, we missed that opportunity, unfortunately, but really excited to have Mr. Bert Habits, the CEO of ColorFab, um, on the podcast today. Um, ColorFab has been an outstanding uh, filament partner for us at Ascent Fabrication. Um, their quality is truly to the next level. They have a lot of attention to detail when it comes to the quality of the filament that they produce. Uh, and the very wide arrangement of different materials and different colors that they uh, have put out there. Uh, we use a number of their different materials, namely the uh, PETG economy, as well as the uh, VarioShore quite a bit and all their different colors. VarioShore is a really neat foaming TPU. Um, if you haven't used VarioShore yet, I would absolutely uh, suggest that you reach out to them and uh, try that out if you're in, in Europe. Uh, otherwise, at Ascent Fab, we have a really nice big stock of VarioShore that you can um, buy right from our website, ascentfab.com slash shop, and check out what we have in stock. Um, you know, for the VarioShore, there's also NGen Flex. Um, that's another TPU, I think, co-poly blend um, that is, is very interesting to print with, actually. has some nice... Um, very flexible, but uh, feeling extremely durable um, characteristics to it. We produce uh, flexible inner sockets of uniform thickness for prosthetics. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of other applications out there for this really, really durable material. Um, other than that, looking at their PLA economy line as well now, um, you know, I didn't know that they had the economy line. I'm excited to, you know, get into that a little bit. Um, while, you know, trying to produce some really big parts on um, our new Black Belt printer. So the Black Belt um, coming right out of Belgium was installed last week. Um, we had uh, a bunch of great prints right off the bat coming from this printer. Um, so very long parts, which are pretty cool to see that, you know, I wouldn't otherwise be able to print in any other way on my other printers um, that reliably. And being able to take use of this serial printing, actually, of, of parts. So when you really get into production level status, uh, the black belt is going to be the one to pay attention to for that uh, use. So bringing back the print of the week this week, um, we do have a set of bilateral carbon fiber polypropylene AFOs. Um, these AFOs printed on the Raise 3D Pro 3 Plus. Um, we were using their piece support material underneath the AFOs to um, allow us to print that reliably. 
And the AFOs also have an inner boot out of the color fab very assured. Um, that was printed on the artillery sidewinder. Uh, so the AFOs printed in about 24, 25 hours and about 360 grams each with about 40 grams of support. Um, and the inner boots took about six hours and were about 100 grams each. Um, so that is our print of the week. Uh, I'm really super psyched about this new carbon fiber polypropylene from PP print, um, very, very rigid, uh, kind of the opposite of their uh, actual polypropylene just on its own. Their, their normal polypro is quite flexible, um, which, you know, we kind of like for force dissipation reasons. Um, you know, I think that some prosthetic sockets or AFOs like this could be uh, pretty durable because of that force dissipation with the more flexibility from the polypropylene. Um, you know, but in this case for carbon fiber, super rigid and stiff, uh, exactly what we're going for for this um, patient presentation that we had here. So that is our print of the week this week. Um, hope you guys enjoy this uh, episode of Fabrication Friday and my conversation with Bert Habits. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the uh, Fabrication Friday podcast. Um, I'm very happy to be with uh, Bert Habits today of ColorFab, the CEO there um, out in the Netherlands, and really just interested to hear about, uh, Bert, your uh, introduction into the additive manufacturing industry in general and kind of where ColorFab has uh, come about. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on today. Thank you very much, Joe. So, so happy to be here and uh, talk to you today and to the audience. So. Yeah, so, so what am I doing in 3D uh, these days? So I always say, well, uh, I'm supporting my team. So uh, yeah, I'm a captain of the team, but I'm always looking at what can we improve, um, looking at our customers, what do they want? Do we have brand farms? Do they want to have white label? Uh, what is it, their business all about? And, and solve some of their problems. And um, along the way, hopefully we sell some filament uh, for their FDM printers. That's basically it. And if I look at my history, Joe, and yeah, how did I came in this to in this position? My history is one in which I always try to improve organizations, systems, or processes, or people. And uh, in the way doing, I always looked at what other possibilities are there to produce a part. Um, can be an automotive uh, automotive parts. It can be a shoe industry. Uh, so I've seen a lot of different industries and always look at possibilities to different to differentiate and producing. Uh, so I always challenged the status quo. I always looked at an organization or a process and of way you're doing I said, well, why not different? So I question everything. And along the way, of course, when, when we look at development of new products, let's say in construction um, industry or in the uh, auto repair shops, uh, these kind of things, Whatever possible, I will say, well, why? why not make a prototype? Yeah, but we need so long and so long, many months. We need to talk to 10 suppliers. Say, yeah, but I just want to have a mock-up or something. You want the drawing? Say, no, 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 I want to touch a, a, an object, you know, and, and, and turn it apart, look at it, and, and discuss with, with everybody. And, and often, um, of course, 3D printing was not around uh, in a company. But I always ask, I would like to have it. I, well, that this gives me enormous possibilities to speed up things and, and to get the, the 
brain cells going and thinking, okay, we can do it differently. Um, so there was always an interest in 3D and what's possible. And uh, along the way, um, I've been in a company which produced orthotics, orthotics shoes. Mm -hmm. And I, I, what I must say, Joe, what I enjoyed most was looking at the results of the production every morning, mm -hmm. what shoes were produced sure. and, and all the steps in the, in the, along the way. But I, I always thought, okay, can, can we change something? Uh, why is it produced this way? Because these shoes were made like that 300 years ago, to be honest. A uh, piece of leather, piece of rubber, and, and all these kind of things. And yeah, so what, what, what I got infected by shoes and orthotics and everything. And um, when I had the opportunity to talk to the founder of Colafab, who was also the founder of Border Printer and Black Belt, together with uh, another couple of guys. I thought, okay, I, I will grasp that opportunity and just talk, just talk. And I said, okay, what is it, what Colafab is all about? Please explain. Mm -hmm. and, and in the story of how it came to be, it was, okay, we, we had an idea. We put took some of our existing master batches and compounds and tried to make a thread out of it, put it on uh, a, a spool and see if we can do that. So very brave and unstoppable, uh, Ruth Rouleau, our founder, then created in his garage, of course, with it, together with his father, sure. uh, the first uh, batch of filament. And then after that, it went very fast for him, he said. So uh, in, in two years' time, he could scale up, have multiple extrusion machines and a small team. And um, yeah, move from one location to the other because, of course, uh, it's growing until we have now a, a beautiful location here in, in the Netherlands with several extrusion lines, nice logistics center, and, and a very, very well and uh, professional team. Mm -hmm. But the, the business group. So and when I was talking to him, he explained the Colafab, and I said, yeah, OK, but now I'm here for Black Belt Porto Print. And, and I think you, you are familiar with Black Belt. Right. I said, please explain me this, huh? belt printer. Um, and a different way of printing, not uh, the normal X, Y, Z. I said, okay, very interesting. And possibly patented, yeah. Okay, what can we do with it? And, and then it's explained long, long objects and these kind of things and prototypes. So I was all in. So yeah, that's interesting. But the border printer excited me even more because there it was possible with a belt to print insoles and, and solidly insoles alone, nothing mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. So... And then I said, okay, this is a startup. I want to help with, with my expertise of, of improvement of anything that we need to do. So, so you as founders, what, what do you want me to do? What is your speciality? I will do the rest. So that's actually how we started off. And yeah, I, I, for a time, I managed Porter Printer and okay. took it from startup to scale up. It grew, very decent results. And now they are... I think up and running and conquering the world, to, to be honest. So uh, very successful uh, Porter printer. And in the meantime, managing multiple companies here, I thought, okay, Colafab needs more attention. So I needed to step away from Porter printer and Black Belt, and now I'm 100% Colafab. 
because in Colorfab show there is a lot to do because I have the most interesting customers, mm -hmm. the most interesting customers. So just just last Friday I was in Barcelona, and Barcelona there was the Footprint 3D mm -hmm. um, event, and there all kind of top designers for shoes were present, all kind of manufacturer and manufacturing techniques, so from MGF and MDF, but FDM, and it was there was a certain vibe in in the audience and in the presentations and very interesting characters. Mm -hmm. Again, we're brave and excited with their technology, their FDM to produce sneakers, which look different, which really, truly are circular, can be recycled again and again. I thought, yeah, this is the right audience to be in. And having discussion with designers and, and the ones really making a disruption in the market, uh, I think, yeah, this is, so that's, that's why I'm in the game, right? And... Yeah, from from these customers, I will think, okay, what do we as Colorfab need to do? Mm -hmm. So we, we we supply material, right? And we supply from PLA to TPU to any copolymer that's out there. Um, not not uh, the ones in the, in the high end, but the normal, practical in use. Sure. And we try to make it different to to listen very carefully to what the customers want. So and. The good thing is that we are now in an industry together that the, the, the balance between hardware, software, and material is exactly right. So the hardware is not up to the level that it can work consistently uh, with low repair, and the software is able with any intelligence to, to control the printing process. And the material um, is subject to just deliver into those two, which then comes to, okay, we want a flexible lightweight material for let's say application RC plane, or we want for prosthetics, we want a material which yes, needs to be recycled, of course. Um, it needs to be lightweight, it needs to be uh, anti-allergic, uh, all, all kinds of specifications. And we would like to, of course, hit all the boxes mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is the material that, that actually uh, you are required, uh, you want to have, which is in, in many cases not existent yet. So that's what Colorfab does. So we have an R&D, we develop all the time. We have a, a, at least 20 projects running um, at any given moment. Uh, we discuss with startups and scale-ups mostly, but also with the, the OEM brands out there who want to change their material portfolio or change the setup of printers mm -hmm. um, or are dissatisfied with, with others, which of course happens. Um, yeah, and that, that's what we do. That's our business. It's the best business to be in. Yeah, the uh, the filament industry, uh, part of the, the additive manufacturing field here is uh, growing quite rapidly, uh, I yes. would say, and uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, I would say is one of the fastest growing parts of the field, um, you know, with all the different, uh, not even just new colors that are coming out with different materials, but the different blends of materials. Um, you know, I, I use quite a few of your materials uh, currently, uh, namely your uh, PETG 
uh, and Vario Shore TPU, as well as the Engine Flex. Um, can you take me through kind of that decision process that you go through, whether you're working directly with the client or uh, whether you're developing a new material strictly out of color fab, um, kind of how does that thought process come about for you? Yeah. Well, there are several um, verticals which we, we which the thinking process goes at our side. So the most difficult thing is to just sit down and think of a new material. Where, where should we start? Mm-hmm. What, what's out there? Let's uh, do your market research and possibly there is something that you think of and it's your gut feeling that that could be a success. But even internally, you have endless discussion why your gut feeling is better than others. Uh, but possibly there is there's an opportunity and you try and see if it works in one month, two months, one year, two years, or it's a total failure. That's, that's the one. And the second one is that a customer with a certain application, um, like, like shoes, and printing shoes has certain requests in which you say, well, we would like to, to mimic a conventional shoe, but we need still use one material. So is it possible to use several colors using FDM tech? Okay, this, this is a, a real re- request. And then we're going to start working with that. What, what's the possible uh, uh, use case here and uh, how dynamic and flexible do we need to be? Because of course, the first request is, is not the final request. That's an iterative process mm-hmm. because you, you work with um, uh, dynamic customers uh, in our business, uh, which, which are highly depending on making that what they think of, what they print a success. So it can go anywhere. But still, we, we need to work to making that application work. That's the most important thing. Uh, uh, if it's tough PLA, if it needs to be heat resistant, lighter, well, whatever. So that's the second line. Um, the third line is that customers come to us and say, well, we would like to have a drop-in for a current competitor of ours, uh, your, one of your competitors. Mm-hmm. Can you please deliver? Yeah, that's, and we need to match, match to material, match to color. Sure. Um, we, we, we also like to do that. And then what I like to, to ask, of course, is, is why why do you choose us? And then if I hear the right arguments, yeah, then uh, of course that makes my team uh, and me happy. So um, that's the third one. The, the, the fourth one is we have a network of suppliers all over the world. So from the US, um, from Europe, from Asia, which, who of course also have their uh, R&D and coming are indeed coming up with new ideas, new materials, new formulations, new way of combining their polymers. And at that moment, we, we of course listen very closely and see okay, what can we come up with and can we make the combination what the customer is currently requesting or had requested in the past or what we thought of but didn't work at the time because of, let's say, a, a, a heat resistant, which was not possible or a antibacterial, which was not possible, or a PLA, PLA uh, flame retardant was not possible, but now it is. So we, we look at our past project, uh, uh, revive them, and then uh, speed up the process to make that happen. Those are basically, I think, that the most important ones, uh, more reasons why we deliver the materials to the market. Um, most interesting to see is how these materials in le- real life 
work, are functional, and look if we can improve. Because launching a material is easy, but keeping the customers happy and, and developing material further is the most important part of our business. Doesn't stop. Right, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you get uh, plenty of requests every month for you know different and new materials, as well as little tweaks to existing materials. Um, yep. You know, for those specific applications that your uh, customers are into. Um, I was particularly interested by one of your recent um, launches of the new material that is uh, metal detectable. Um, yep. The um, the PA that is metal detectable. Can you kind of uh, bring me through uh, how that development came to be of that specific material? Yeah, this is uh, one example from the category number four. So where a supplier says, well, we have available, we developed in small quantities, this material, which possibly could be um, a, a good fit to filament production in general. Are you interested? So then we pick up this project, we develop it and we, we had in the past these customer asking for a metal detectable. So in yeah. agriculture or food industry, we had these customers and we, 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 sh we must, we, we had to say no in the past. So at that moment, yeah, we're going to do that. It's interesting, but it also um, you know, makes a, a mark for the brand. So it's, it's a good product to have. Uh, it's, it's, it's something else. It's not the, the plain PLA. So uh, then we with the team, we, we together decided, okay, we're going to go with this project. We want to have this, even if at that moment, we don't have that specific customer, mm -hmm. uh, but there is an industry, which we think it, it makes sense to provide this material to. And uh, yeah, I, I think we, we have been proven right again. So yeah, and that's a good thing too. So again, at that moment, suppliers, and, and it's also good for these suppliers to see that, that we make a, a success because hopefully they think about us next time as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, having those very specific applications for different materials, um, I'm sure that spurs other interest as well for other applications when someone sees, oh, this is a metal detectable material. Maybe I could uh, use that for another application. Yeah. Uh, and it is the for the another application. So often it is that we have a material like, like this, and like I just said, we we think it's good for agriculture and food, but possibly there is another other industry which we didn't think of, mm -hmm. which will possibly use it, and that's a good thing. But also for us, if we then sell this material, we of course hope that um, the other materials get some attention too. And of course, in agricultural, there are also fixtures, uh, so so, and also printed prototyping of any kind. Of course, we hope to sell other materials as well. That's that's also part of our thought process here. Yeah, but we want to have these specialities with, with um, high value for the customer. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think there's high value. And uh, I can speak from experience that uh, your team is very dedicated to what they're doing. and and very helpful um, if there are any technical questions about those materials that I'm looking to solve a problem either in the prosthetics and orthotics industry or yeah. or elsewhere. Um, you know, I mentioned that I I currently use uh, your VarioShore TPU and, and quite a lot of it and all the different colors as well, which is pretty fun. Uh, I do like it, so. 
I, oh, I love it. I love it. It's um, honestly, there's a, uh, so the flexible inner socket for a prosthetic uh, socket is the perfect application for it in my mind um, because it's extremely lightweight um, and we can actually build up um, cushions around bony anatomy for amputees that are otherwise having a, a hard time being comfortable in a socket. Um, we build up these six to nine to 15 millimeter cushions either around uh, for a below the knee amputee, amputee let's say, uh, around the fibular head or the distal tibia or just around the very distal end of the limb. Um, we'll build up that cushion. And what we've noticed is actually there's less instance of skin abrasion uh, over that bony anatomy and just overall general better comfort. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with that material specifically for that application. Um, and, and we do quite a few of those sockets. So that's been a really nice, um, you know, in new innovation really in the prosthetics and orthotics field that you can't otherwise um, traditionally manufacture that way as well. Um, so, you know, so that's what I feel like has the the best, you know, value and impact for some of these materials that you're coming out with. Yeah. I can say that makes me happy, Joe. So, and, and this is a material that the virus show, which um, was an invention by Colofa, mm -hmm. where we didn't know who or what the customer were and what is the industry, who are the customers, what is the application, we didn't know, but we thought, well, Let's give it a go. Let's launch the product and see what happens. And you see that over time, of course, it gets adopted, it gets used. And, and, and of course, printing with the material, uh, there are various aspects uh, which you need to think about and, and need to process. But it gives enormous possibilities now. And so you see yeah, it lands very well in, in the prosthetics, in the orthotics, in um, anything that needs to be lightweight and can, can move and has some friction. Perfect, perfect comfort, perfect. And also, if the if you look at post processing, and so you possibly notice that even after printing, if you heat it up with a heat gun, you know you can just press it, and the other fabric or, or material you can you can press it uh, along. So, so it gives enormous possibilities. And yeah, I, I think from this product we, we just started, um, and, and of course, it in in, the, in in your in your market in your your medical field. It, it, it needs also some time to get fully introduced, but then it's the 3D topic as, as such, right? Sure. You have a lot of colleagues, which of course work uh, somewhat conventional, still very good experts, but it, it needs some time. And you see a lot of young people, of course, is when they drop out of school here in Europe uh, and, and they use the 3D printing because they, they see all the new techniques. And of course we, we make sure that they, they see whatever we come up with being a printer or, or filament yeah. uh, and, and they request their employer we, we would like to 3d print we would like to do it different we, we see certain advantages and and that's a good thing and 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 as an employer if, if you are a company it's it's good to uh, you, you have this this shortage of labor right sure. that's, yeah. that's what we are facing here in europe yeah. i don't know about the situation in the us but we, we face yeah. uh, so well-trained uh, labor force is missing. Everybody gets older. Um, and, and young people say, well, I would like to do this. Uh, this is my profession. But I would like to work with, with excellent equipment and, and use my brain somewhat more. And the, the great thing is about the additive manufacturing is that 
You can have multiple machines running uh, 24-7. Yeah, you can have designs which, which you in the medical field would like to have um, with materials which really make sense and, and, and bring something of added value to the table. And that's what what excites me when I see this happening. Uh, I see print farms. I see this application. I see. I think okay, this is again the, the triangle of hardware, software, material, which is a perfect fit. And the, and the young people are driving this. So again, when I visit, I visited Barcelona, the footwear, the footprint TV, young people, young people at the stage, young people making a move. Young people make a difference. And, and young for me, of course, is everything younger than 35, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, which I fall under that category, but uh, not- Yeah, that's why I say- yeah, longer, was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with um, with VarioShore specifically, um, you know, I, I started using it um, in this very particular use case for prosthetic sockets. Um, we're now using it for prosthetic foot shells, um, going over the prosthetic foot itself as well, um, as well as some protective covers to, you know, take a 3D scan of the, the contralateral limb, mirror that image, and then um, have the nice, very nice, you know, three skin tones um, printed out for a prosthetic cover. Um, so that's how we're primarily using it right now um, at Ascent Fab. Um, with with the kind of internal development that you did for VarioShore, um, you know, how did you come about that idea and how did they come about that idea in the first place to, you know, have this chemical foaming agent within a TPU? And, you know, why was it a TPU versus a, a PLA or, or how did that thought process come about? We looked at what's possible in our process to, to implement and what's available. And here it was simply, okay, we, we would like to have a, a TPU, which is uh, formable. So the, uh, let's try to, to hit that. So what's needed? And there are several techniques to do that. And yeah. some of them have been tried, uh, some of them not. And uh, we at Call of Fab, we, we took um, the, the process, we took uh, certain additives and uh, within the material we, we, we make the perfect fit. And it was really a thought process of, okay, you need to do something different. Uh, you, you, of course, we can make TPUs. No, no problem. Uh, and any kind. But it, it's how can we break up the market? How can we make a name for ourselves? So this is what we would like to have. And again, not knowing who would use it, but it, can it be done? Can it be done? Because we, we have a gut feeling that possibly we can make a change. Mm -hmm. And then after long testing, uh, working together with uh, several suppliers, the, the team managed to, to make that work. Yeah. And then further along the line, of course, uh, you see, okay, what, what else is possible? Uh, can you make it uh, antibacterial, antifungus? Yes, mm -hmm. you can. Can you make it more stiff? Yes, you can. Can you uh, make a variety of colors? Of course you can. Can we make a variety of more and less foaming? Yes, we can. Uh, and uh, are the customers requesting this? Is this something that we put in our standard portfolio or just 
do the development with one of our customers who specifically says, yeah, I want to have this IP, don't tell anybody, anybody uh, and, and then go along with that, which is also, also very good for us. So th this is how we tried to develop. So again, this was gut feeling. This was, okay, how can we use the, these, this know-how of our team uh, to make that work? And we have uh, material scientists here, Robotica, um, we have commercial guys here, marketing, and, and if you have the perfect yeah, fit in the team, th then you can make such a product. And of course, we, we are copied. Huh? We are copied a lot, um, which I always consider a, a, a badge of honor, to be honest. Huh? Yeah. Uh, commercially, it's not, not that good, of course, but it's a badge of honor because then you know you, you're doing a good job. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, can agree with that statement. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the other materials that I'm I'm quite interested in, actually, but I haven't used myself, um, is your is your alpha, uh, yeah. this, this PHA. Can you, yeah. so I don't know a whole lot about PHA in general, and I don't know how much my listeners know about it. Can you take me into a little bit more of the, you know, chemical nature of that material and kind of what that's being used for? Yeah. I try to explain it simple because I'm not a material scientist. Even, uh, even. I, I'm not trying to mimic it. I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible. So the PHA, what what actually is PHA? It's it's a polymer, so it's a plastic, right? Mm -hmm. um, in in essence, and it's actually the energy source of a bacteria. So if you have a bacteria, a certain strains of bacteria and 135 have been identified. If you feed it some uh, food source, so organic food source, of course, can be, can be sugar cane, can be anything. And depending on what you give them, it's also in the energy source, so the fat reserve of, uh, as, you say, as you say, of the bacteria, that they develop a, develop a different kind of BHA building block. That building block, you can take out by fermentation, out of the bacteria and you immediately have the polymer. So there's no chemical process, no chemicals put in there to actually extract that PHA. Hmm. So, and with these building blocks, so PHA is, is not one molecule, it's a, it's, it's a whole variety of molecules which you can make, so polymers. And with combining them, uh, you, you can make anything. You can make tough material, you can make flexible material. The whole range. So you can mimic an ABS, you can mimic a PLA. So anything out there you can you can mimic with the building blocks. That doesn't mean that every building block is already readily available. Yeah? But again, back to what is PHA. If you take PHA, which is then fully 100% bio, of course, because it's the energy source of the bacteria, you can immediately give it back to the bacteria and they will eat it. So it's made by nature, eaten by nature. So it's home compostable. Mm. Home compostable. What does it mean? If the layers are thin enough within six weeks, it's gone. It's eaten. And not yeah. because it dissolves, it's eaten. So if and our, our strategy as Colorfarm, we say, okay, we want to make use of any building blocks of PHA available, put in the knowledge of our team. We have done some studies. Uh, also together with uh, helium polymer slash Faradox, which is also agenda to do our company and uh, other partners uh, out there, which are also working on the same uh, subject. 
And objective is always to come up with a material which then can replace and be a drop in for any material out there because that makes sustainable really sustainable. Mm -hmm. Right? So, what we try to do is to mimic certain materials and, and offer the customers in the end an alternative. So, this is our long term strategy. So, if, if you, as a client customer, can purchase a material, let, let's say the value show, and you can be, buy a material which is also like value show, but biodegradable and it makes sense in your application. Yeah. You can make a conscious choice to purchase that and use that. And have the, have the same specifications to come along with that. And it's up to the customer, of course, to, to decide whatever they want. But and, and what we try to do is to give a drop-in for any material which we currently have. Mm -hmm. Of course, it needs to be easy printable, and we have some challenges there, and we're waiting for certain building blocks. But we know it's possible. We're working hard on that. And we have some th things already prepared, yeah, which will hit the market uh, this year. Yeah, well, that's so, uh, exciting yeah. here as well. Yeah. yeah so the PEJ, the polyhydroxy alkylate, is, is really a, a subject which deserves some attention mm -hmm. out there which is an alternative and really a conscious choice to make for everybody of us. So to say, okay, well, even if you, uh, you, you put it in a recycle bin somewhere, fine. Even if it doesn't, does end up in a landfill, right? It's still eaten by the bacteria. It disappears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a bio polymer home composable. Mm -hmm. This is for us the, the ultimate grill. Of course, we, we have the first product in the market. We are improving it as we speak. And there are multiple variants possible. Mm -hmm. So with that specific bacteria that breaks down the and, and eats the the PHA, uh, is, is that bacteria found all over the world? Is it uh, only, you know, very specific yeah. to some locations? And yeah. it, should, we, should we be putting it into... Our, our compost piles instead of landfill or are there other ways that we could be you know addressing those parts that don't need to be reused in, in, in ourselves our body in our gut we have 40 million bacteria microorganisms yeah. yeah and we need those right um, and they already consume in us pha we mm. have pha in our body which is okay mm. and if, if you go to, to, a, uh, to soil, soil, your garden at home, uh, there are always millions and millions of bacteria. Mm. And, and those will do. Sure. Yeah? So that does not need to be anything added. It's simply nature itself, which simply eats it. It's a natural process. Nothing to worry about. Does it harm us? No, of course not. So... It, it's really a, a material which has endless possibilities. Uh, and in the end, it's, it's also, if, if you go for packaging industry, it will be used in packaging. It is. Um, there will be alternatives for uh, film. Uh, there will be alternatives for, let's say, an automotive. Uh, anything. Anything out there is possible. So if you go for molding, can be molded. And it's also only now, the last few years, that... Uh, some some big corporates are really investing in this technology of using the microorganisms, giving them um, food, 
fermentation, harvest, and bring it into market. Just mm -hmm. just now. And yeah, we are very excited that we can be part of that, a small part, because of in a filament there is a high added value and certain applications where oh, you can imagine, of course, that when you enter a market with, with such a niche product and, and low volume of production everywhere, that it comes at a slightly higher price point. Of course, we want to bring that high price point down and we do everything possible to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Well, with um, yeah, with, the, with some of the applications that you see for PHA, um, what are some customers coming to you and asking, uh, can I print this with PHA? Or do they uh, go ahead and purchase the material anyways? And then uh, what are some of the applications that you see people printing? Yeah. So, of course, uh, when we launched the material in, in June uh, 22, well, we, we had the early adopters and we've, we followed up on the early adopters. What are you doing with the material? And uh, of highest interest was simply the fact that they print a small object and then see if it's really home compostable. All right, they try, which sure. is a good thing. Um, and if you look at a, a wider range of applications, we, we got those questions. At the moment, we are still developing the material and finding a, a right fit to their demand. So there are a lot of customers, which I can't reveal any, any names, who yeah. have these, these certain requests, which we are developing for. And when I look at what are they using, I see a lot of sculptures, of course. Uh, it's tough material and not nice, soft feeling. Um, I, I see some, some hobby object. I see some interior parts, you know. Um, the, the, the PHA, which we currently have, tends to warp a little. Uh, so, so there needs to be not too much um, uh, touching the, 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 the floor uh, when, you, when you print the heat yeah. bed. So there are certain conditions. And then the next generations of PHA material will be much better. Any application can use PHA in the end, any, because the whole variety, variety of polymers can be matched and we can deliver a drop-in for, for any material out there. Mm -hmm. That's a great thing. And that, that has been studied already. There are, are reports and everything. So yeah, and we are excited to do that. Yeah, well, that's uh, one material that I think I'm going to be trying to get my hands on pretty soon uh, to test out some of the fun possibilities. And, um, you know, because we're we always have fun ideas here at Ascent Fab for other things that we could be printing. If we need something here around the lab, um, you know, printed myself out a, a garbage can the other day because I needed a garbage can printed a, um, a set of shelves for the office because we needed some shelves. Um, you know, we have these these fun, interesting ideas that uh, pop up all the time. And that's one of the neat things about, you know, working with a company like ColorFab is you have a very wide range of, of different materials, a lot of very vibrant, fun colors that can't be found elsewhere as well. So, um, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, seeing some of these applications for uh, some of these different materials kind of spurs that interest in someone else to think, oh, well, maybe I could do this with that certain material, right? Uh, you know, you know we, we have uh, a lot of materials available on the web shop or if you, you send us a mail, but we, we actually have, I think, 2,200 recipes uh, readily available, which we can make. 
Um, and we have access to, to any supplier on the globe to, to get the right material. And then with our knowledge, we, we can we can do any, practically almost anything. Sure. Um, and, and that's perfect. So being a, a rather small company, we're not as big, but highly specialized, um, we can very easily have an agile, flexible, and dynamic R&D development in a few weeks. We, we can deliver on time. We have an excellent customer service. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to sell the company here, but... That that's really what we do, sure. and we, we constantly work with the best customers out there, most sure. most vibrant, most dedicated, most brave, and that that's really something that that makes a difference. You know that the, here the team really makes that extra step for those customers. To have that uh, extra level of collaboration definitely is special Absolutely. between you know people that are dedicated and very excited about what they're doing uh, yeah. for sure. With the... uh, it, you know that I often say we are not positive or negative, huh, but we're also unstoppable. Huh? We just get the work done. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's really something that we, we we tend to do all the time. So here here the collaboration is I think intense. Huh? Always can be better, but we, we try to communicate every morning on on our status of project, status operations, status of delivery. If before we we enter the building, we already know where we are, mm-hmm. you know, from, from process side. And and this gives us the opportunity, yeah, we manage this well, this gives us the opportunity to focus on the customer, to focus on what needs to be done and not focus on what goes wrong or has not been done or whatever. No, mm-hmm. that's not what we do. Right, right. With, uh, with how much development your team has done with these different materials, uh, what would you say your favorite color fab material is right now? Um, and and do you have your own 3D printer that you're printing with uh, color fab materials? Well, I, I am in the lucky position to to have a lot of printers here. Sure. And, and the, the experts also operating those. Um, I have s- several favorites here. So uh, we have the Bamboo Lab, of course. We have the, the new Prusa in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're printing with the Ultimakers. Um, but also the, the, the reality is doing a wonderful job. So mm-hmm. um, the, the, I'll, I'll be honest to you, every morning when I come to work, the first thing I do, I go to my print lab, look at all the objects, all the materials which are testing, uh, new or existing. And I'm, I'm excited for every print, to be honest. That's the best thing I do, mm-hmm. best job in the world. Uh, because this, this is creative, this is innovative, this is really making a difference. If, if you look at um, my favorite material, yeah, possibly it's the Vario Show. Yeah. 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 Why? Uh, it's on the same level as, let's say, lightweight PLA or PHA, which will conquer the world. But the Vario Show, at the moment as we speak, serves, as you just uh, explained, the purpose of having comfort, mm-hmm. delivering some added value, uh, helping people retain their mobility, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's for me, that's important. And yeah, it makes everything a little bit better. So that, that's a good thing. So so I would say, yes, Varios, answer your question. Sure. Yeah, I, I'd have to say Varios is my favorite as well. Um, you know, like I said, we we carry quite a bit of it um, and we're, we're showing people what's possible with it. 
uh, for those flexible inner sockets. So uh, it's been having some great success, you know, making people uh, comfortable again in uh, in sockets that weren't otherwise comfortable before. So uh, it's nice to see that, you know, these specific materials that may have been developed for a different reason or, you know, just out of uh, curiosity for what could happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, we're putting it to use and, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries with how we're using it as well. So, oh, sure. yeah. And I think in the future, there will be more things to come. So, but, but again, uh, waiting some, um, waiting certain hardware development, but you could imagine that if, if you have a machine with, with multiple print heads in it, which can uh, easily uh, exchange uh, during printing, and of course this is also already possible, but if you then use different kinds of fire assure with different uh, types of foaming or even uh, the color or consistency, so if we could put uh, fibers in, in there or whatever, makes yeah. sense if you look at a, a prosthetics that in itself, not only making a difference with the temperature and, and, and playing around with that, to say, okay, by the way, within the printing process, you can even give more stiffness in certain areas uh, of a prosthetic, um, which then solves a problem. And we would like to solve problems. After all, if you have a requirement out there, this could possibly be uh, yeah, a future step for us. So. We're constantly looking out for the hardware improvements, what's out there, testing those, and uh, trying to be ahead. Sure. Yeah. With uh, with all this development that Color Fab is doing, can you share with me a little bit about um, you know where you see Color Fab growing into in the future? Are there any uh, specific industries that you know that Color Fab is definitely going to be a part of for you know your applications for these materials um, or other you know fun developments that you can share? Yeah. So the, the way I see our business uh, evolving is that we will definitely serve our consumer market, uh, have the, these fun materials out there, these specials, uh, which, which we love to work with. That's, uh, let's say, 30%, 40% of our business. And the other business is, is really working with the B2B medical. Medical is very important to us. Um, but also, if, if you look at... Um, Drones, RC planes, yeah, yep. that, that's a big part of our business. So what's happening over there, uh, defense uh, applications, which we're looking at and our customers are exploiting. So uh, those are important things. Um, of course, if you look at interior parts, uh, one of our uh, biggest customers is also s situated in California. Um, so making lamps, yeah, but there are also... I can't reveal the name. It's a very difficult for me. This. Yeah, it's all right. That's all right. Yeah, these are these are new customers. So, yeah. but there are also, let's say, agented printing techniques. Let's call it like that, which we are currently also studying together with with uh, these these new customers. So, yeah, a lot of things are happening. So, where do we see ourselves? Of course, we we have a twenty percent growth rate at the moment every year. Um. We are now making plans to how can we in 24 actually cope with this high demand because it, it will double. And then let's say the virus will double, we think. We yeah. And we're working hard on that. And give also more alternatives to what we're currently doing. Um, we hope to start a production facility and, and warehouse uh, in the US. 
So just at the 1st of September, we, we founded a Colorfab Inc. Um, we took to several uh, institutes to what, what's the best location. So we, we need to be ahead of our game. We're talking to partners in the U.S., also sure. for the PHA. Um, we were talking with, with our Asian uh, colleagues also about PHA. How can we make that work? How, what do we need? So there were a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on. Of good things. Very nice. Yeah. Well, to hear that uh, <clears throat> you might be setting up shop here in the U.S. is uh, is pretty exciting. You know, I think the the biggest thing for uh, some companies to determine where they're getting their filament from right now is simply the cost of it, right? Yeah. And uh, how long does it take to to get a product? Um, you know, thankfully the uh, the shipment process coming from the Netherlands uh, hasn't been. Uh, too bad whatsoever, and and been very quick for us. Task, um, task. we do intend, of course, to to work more intense with uh, U.S. resellers as well. But we we definitely, yeah, got indicated that we need to step up our game, supply even faster. Mm. And yeah, for us, if you look at cost wise, it, it makes sense to start production in the in the U.S. in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, if these volumes. Um, keep growing and the way that it is that we, we need to do that so sure. that's a good thing yeah no for sure that'll be uh exciting to watch as well with that development um yeah with the all of the new materials that are coming out the different industries that you're in um you know do you see any one industry utilizing your materials more than others right now or um, any other particular industry that's kind of unique um, and you didn't quite think that would be uh, utilizing some of these materials as much? D difficult to say, uh, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I, ma I mentioned uh, some already. Um, I, I try to, to to look at the market in, in segments and in applications in, in usage of. Um, I, I mentioned them already. Um, I, I think that within one year uh, we will see in the market that consumers will start to purchase more and more printed objects. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah? These can be let's say textile related, so apparels related. These can be uh, sneakers related. These can be uh, lighting, these can be electronic devices, your loan moya, moya uh, uh, a lot a lot of startup scale-ups already are doing this and, and, and are making a big difference and it makes sense for them to do it because sure. no, that, that's, that's the case. So definitely, definitely there will be things out there and we will see them next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely interested to follow these uh, more consumer level products as well uh, to see what people are interested in buying. I I agree that um, you know probably even by next year we'll see uh, a few hundred more uh, consumer products that are maybe not even advertised as being 3D printed, but they otherwise will be 3D printed. They are out there. Yeah. Right. And it's also for for uh, if you have uh, it's always the, the question. Will you sell more if you tell the end user that it's 3D printed, yes or no? Sure, right. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. 
It's just right. a beautiful looking object. Um, doesn't need to be. The moment you can say, well, it's 3D printed and that's why the design looks so cool. And it's, it's amazing. And by the way, because of this material, yeah, you can return it and we can recycle it again. It can mm -hmm. be used again and again, really recycle. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think that this is the advantage which we have. Uh, you could say, well, it's a disadvantage that you print an object and it's it's one material most of the time. I, I see this as an advantage because it, it gives you the opportunity to to take products back, to regrind it, to use it again, to make it cheaper in the end. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, I, I only see the opportunities on that. Sure. In, uh, in your opinion, with the growth of these consumer products that are being printed, um, do you feel there's a need for a consumer level marketplace specific to 3D printed products or um, somehow otherwise being able to get some of these products out to individuals? Mm, no, no. You, you will, in, in these kind of markets, how you're trained at school if, if you study business uh, and so on, um, it's often the early adopters, of course who are into uh, fashion-related stuff, right? Um, but in the end, if the product in itself has a certain durability, has a certain look and feel, and solves problems of the end consumers, uh, it, it will be a you know, big success in the end. Mm -hmm. And, and what, what I see our customers doing, the quality, how diverse in any industry, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that you will see this in any household, on anybody. Uh, if, you, if you walk out your house, you will wear something 3D printed. Uh, it can be a 3D uh, label on your jacket. It can be on your, your baseball uh, hat. It, it can be your shoe. Sure. Uh, it, it, anything, anything. In yeah. your car, anything. Yeah, well, I uh, I already walk out of the house every day wearing something 3D printed um, on my on my watch, my Garmin watch. The yep. latch here broke, uh, so I printed myself a new one out of TPU. And uh, yes. you know, yes. one little instance of you know fixing these everyday things that we come across and um, having that inspiration for oh well, I can I can redesign that, I can 3D yep. print that. That's kind of how we have that thought every day here. When, when I come home, I have very nice 3D printed sandals. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I, I wish I had them 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so comfortable. Are they made out of Variashore? They made of Variashore. Okay. <laughs> Just say hello to Wojciech. He printed them for me. Thank you very much, Wojciech. Our nice. Polish customer. Uh, so, again, it, it, I also where 3D printed insoles, mm -hmm. right? Uh, not because I have to, because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I try to um, play around with anything that's possible. If you look, look at fabrics and three-dimensional objects, ah, it's, it's, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's a playground. So yeah, I, I think everybody will have, in the end, 3D printed objects, which they purchase or because of the, the operating system and the printing itself becoming more and more uh, easier, 
um, a lot of people will have a small printer, 300 euros at home. Sure. Uh, print small paintings in, in 3D, small objects uh, for, for your new watch, um, anything. Sure. Anything. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, we're, we're definitely excited to see that development as well um, and appreciate the team over at ColorFab uh, that's behind you as well for, you know, all the development they're doing for these specific materials. Um, you know, it is helping us in the medical field, absolutely. And uh, I'm always excited to see what new stuff you're coming out with. So appreciate that. And, uh, you know, thanks for sharing your your journey into you know, how ColorFab has developed over the past few years with us today. Um, is there anything else for our listeners that uh, you'd like them to know about ColorFab? Well, we like to invite anybody to our location. And I mean, uh, mean that really truthfully. So if anybody is around, please give me a call. We're happy to invite you here to show you around. Um, we, we would like to spread the word of 3D printing. Okay. How it can change stuff and, and current ways of doing. So if you have the slightest idea of, yeah, I would like to come in 3D printing, you just visit us. I'm happy to make time for you. Um, and it doesn't mean, mean that you need to be a big corporate. No, of course not. So as I just told, startups, scale-ups, come on, come on with these ideas. Sure. We, we, we are here to help you. Sure. Well, we, we definitely appreciate that. And uh, I'm sure the people listening, uh, if they could get out to the Netherlands to come see you, uh, I'm sure they would, uh, as as will I. Hopefully, uh, maybe next year during uh, the form next time, uh, I'm looking yeah. to try to get out there next year, and that could be a good possibility. Yeah. So so please reach out to me and drop me a mail. I will, will be at the form next with my team. We have, we have a booth there. We will be at the 3D print Paris. Um, so yeah, just, just get, get in contact and then see how we can help each other. For sure. Well, thank you very much again for your time today. Um, to our listeners, thank you very much for listening to the Fabrication Friday podcast again this week. Uh, we truly appreciate having you on with us and, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode with Bert. So we will uh, see you next week. Thank you. And that was a great Fabrication Friday episode here with Bert. I mean, honestly, he is a slew of, of awesome information. And again, the attention to detail that ColorFab has is quite remarkable when you talk about, you know, a, a, a company that is interested in the uh, renewable access to uh, materials that are being used within the 3D printing industry. Um, and just in general, having a very unique um, outlook on being working with their with their customers very, very closely, whether it's in this reseller relationship like we have with them um, or otherwise, if you're looking to uh, come up with a, a brand new material, um, you know, different blends of different materials, something that they might not have already or, um, you know, different colors of materials. They're very, very uh, welcoming and awesome to work with. So, I uh, just want to thank you to Bert for coming on the podcast again this week. Um, finishing out today's Fabrication Friday, we have the tech tip of the week. Um, so this tech tip is quite interesting. It's something that I didn't quite know about um, when I was first getting into 3D printing. So um, I'm going to talk about baby stepping a little bit. So baby stepping is a, a little micro adjustment of the Z offset. Um, that you can actually do during a print. 
um, in uh, a lot of cases, a lot of different printers have this capability to micro adjust that Z offset at the very beginning of the print or during the print. Um, if you see that there's actual material building up on itself over time, you might have to Z, uh, you know, baby step that in order to avoid the nozzle hitting into the actual part itself. Um, we saw this when we were trying to print some color fab vario shore um, for some very thick devices that um, I kind of wanted solid. And, um, you know, for that reason, you have to baby step uh, the nozzle up a bit as the print is going so that that nozzle doesn't hit into the part because we're essentially over extruding at that point. And although we want it extremely solid, um, you know, we're, we're building up too much material over time. So just in the interest of taking care of your machine, um, baby stepping can be useful in that sense. Really, you're only doing it by 0 0.05 millimeters, 0.1 millimeters, just little increments in order to um, make sure that you're not hitting into the nozzle as you are um, going about your print. Not necessarily needed. Um, if you further dial in your print settings and you um, kind of tweak that um, infill overlap percentage um, a little bit there, then you won't have the material building up on itself too much over time. Um, but if you're in a jam and you're watching the printer going and you see that this stuff is building up and you're already 75% of the way through your, your print and you don't want to lose your print, baby stepping can help out. Um, baby stepping is also very useful for kind of finding that initial Z offset. If you're having some trouble with, uh, you know, putting a paper uh, in between the bed and the nozzle itself, and you get that medium friction in between the bed and the nozzle, but for whatever reason on your lower end machines, maybe that Z probe isn't quite as accurate as it should be. And, um, you might need to, uh, baby step. Uh, that Z offset just a tear either up or down uh, in some cases to get better bed adhesion, you could go down um, or making sure that it doesn't uh, overlap those layers too much than, than baby stepping that layer up. Um, so that's our tech tip of the week. Take a look at your printer and see if it has that option to do some baby stepping um, that could help you, know, you on the fly change a Z offset go back and put that into your config.g file, um, whatever you find that offset to be, or uh, just put that back into your slicer settings as, this, as the initial Z offset. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Fabrication Friday. Happy to be back this week. Um, really looking forward to the New York State Innovation Summit that is coming uh, October 16th and 17th here in Saratoga Springs, New York at the city center. Um, if you're in the area, and you want to come by and check out what is going on at the Innovation Summit, we're going to be exhibiting, having a table there, as well as October 17th, 5 to 7.30, we will have an open house event. Um, so again, if you're in the area or otherwise are traveling into New York, um, come come on by Ascent Fab, uh, October 17th, Tuesday, um, from 5 to 7.30 for an open house and check out some of the prints that we got going on. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.